Welcome to a Life of Freedom podcast, your source of inspiration and information on how and why you should choose to pursue your own happiness, pursue your passion, and design a life that fulfills you and makes it your own. And now here's your host, Ayesh LKZ. Welcome to episode 17 of season two. Today, we are talking with Alexis Reed. A model, fashion designer, artist, a woman doing all she loves. Let's get to the show. Before we start, I would like to talk about WISE, formerly known as TransferWISE. Receive money directly to your account with zero fees wherever you are in the world. Hold and convert money to over 40 currencies instantly in your account and get a debit card to spend in any currency. All with low and transparent fees. Try it out from the affiliate link below with no additional cost to you. And now back to the podcast. So Alexis, it's a great to meet you. It's nice to have you here. Uh, so like, tell us who you are and what to do. Like, we start with that. Okay. So currently right now, I live in Brooklyn, New York, which is also like, I also work in Brooklyn, New York and all around the city. So right now I'm a full-time model. And then I have a part-time job managing a photo studio in Brooklyn. And I also have my own clothing brand that I've been working on for... As long as I can remember, uh, when I was younger, I started sewing, um, and I'm just trying to conspire it into something bigger than just like me behind the sewing machine, creating my own designs. I would like to take it to the next level of finding manufacturers and producing it besides just myself producing my works. But those are primarily the three top things that I'm doing right now. Okay. So it's like, uh, you're doing like a lot of things. So how did you... Uh, like started like what started first and like uh, how did you got started with all this? with um which one uh, all of them so let's say yeah let's say uh what 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 started first and like how did you... okay yeah so like um for me I actually started doing sewing when I was about nine yeah. Uh, and I got to it because I had a very difficult body shape to work with. So I ended up tailoring all my clothes to fit me. And eventually that made me want to start sewing my own clothes that would fit me like completely down from like the start to finish product rather than buying clothes that didn't fit me and manipulating them to fit me. And I started that when I was about nine. And it just like took off. I started actually running like a business for it when I was about 15, 16 years old and during my high school experience. And then eventually uh, when I went to college, I was studying uh, business and fashion and buying merchandising. So I was double majoring. And when I was there, we were putting on fashion shows and then slowly started getting into modeling, realized how much I loved it. And it just escalated the more I started working on it. And it really got 
out of hand, but in a good way. <laughs> like it just yeah. started becoming something bigger than what I thought it was going to be. So I pursued it. I lived in upstate New York for a couple of years and would travel plane, trains, car, whatever it meant to like get to photo shoots with different photographers and work with different people. And it, eventually I moved to New York city and it actually has become more convenient here to work. And I am able to still travel. Uh, majority of the time I'm traveling around the city or I'm even hopping on a plane and going to LA, going to Miami, going to other countries and traveling internationally to model. So I kind of just took a turn for the best. Um, it's nice because all the things that I do are primarily self-run by me. I don't have like an employer. It's just kind of me. Yeah, I think uh, it's like you like find the... Uh, pursuing your passion and you are doing the things you like and it's all transpired to be things. Yeah, exactly. Like I figured out what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it and then just figured out all the little steps and details to get there. And once I figured out all the steps I needed and took all the risks and figured out the sacrifices, it all kind of just came together. So uh, in college, so you were doing sewing and you were doing the business and uh, Okay, let's talk about like how 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 the business kind of started so okay so um for my sewing business it slowly turned into uh like I said me tailoring and the more people I met who knew that I did that they would start paying me to start working on their clothing and different pieces that they owned that needed work done to them, whether it was like a repair or if it was something where they needed it to just be fit better to them. And that took off very fast of people like just needing simple tailoring work or repairs. From there, I started making my own clothes. I started even making like houseware stuff. So I was making blankets. I was making pillows. I was making bags. I was making all different walks of um, products. And the more people saw me doing this and the more they saw me, like even wearing my stuff, promoting my stuff, like wearing a backpack I made or posting a picture on Facebook or back then MySpace, And they would see the stuff I was making and they would inquire. They were like, Hey, I want to buy this stuff from you. I want you to make me something. And even in school, my friends would buy stuff from me. My teachers would buy stuff from me. And it just escalated from there. And I was like, you want to know, I need to turn this into an actual business. So I was not only focusing on high school and trying to get good grades and whatnot. I actually ended up being like, okay, how am I going to make money? Uh, and it really worked out for me because so many people would just, it was just word of mouth. So sometimes it wasn't even me marketing myself. It was just people knew who I was, what I did. And they would come to me and ask for any type of services from me. And it, it kind of was self-sufficient. It just ran itself at some point. Yeah, it's like uh, no talent and like, you know, it's uh, not doing really, uh, like a great job like everyone would come to you. Like that's kind of pretty. Yeah. I mean, most, most 15 year olds are like, I want to go to the skate park. I want to go, you know, eat some dirt somewhere. Like they're not trying to like think about, okay, how am I going to run a business? So I was definitely like in a different mindset (laughs) than most of my classmates. Yeah, that's good. It's like, uh, and it's, uh, and it's like, uh, you're not forcing it. It's like, you know, I I want to do something to make money. Yeah. 
it's just oh, like you saw that. yeah you saw the want you saw the passion for it and once you realize you love something you give it like just the right amount of love but then you also got to like understand like the separation between okay passion then also how you're going to make it come across as like a serious thing too because no one's just going to be like if you're pursuing something just off of a whim like you got to sh- like you got to show that you have a lot of pride to back you up, but then also you have the expertise in what you're doing. Cause a lot of people don't want to just throw money or invest in this someone who is just kind of like going with the flow of things. Like you do have to try to figure out in the sense of like, okay, how am I going to make this cordial? But how am I also going to portray like, this is something I enjoy doing. So it's kind of like, you got to make those two things become a pea in a pod. Like, I couldn't so, hear like, too if well. someone uh, like doesn't have the passion, like you know, someone like you find haven't found their passion, no, like something they like to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there any way, you know, is there any tips they can do to you know, like find that? Okay, so for people who don't necessarily know what they want to do or how they want to get into something, yeah. I've always been a huge advocate of everybody trying something like if they saw something that somebody else did and they're like, that looks interesting to me. Like, I really want to see if I can do that. And initially you're either going to be good at it or you're not going to be good at it. But the more you practice it and then you find out you like it. Cause if you practice it and you find out you don't like it, that's okay. Like you can realize like failure is part of like a success. If you don't allow yourself to like have some type of demises, sometimes you can't achieve success properly. So when you look at something and it's like, okay, I'm not good at this, but I really like this and I want to get better at this. You got to continue to pursue it because if you like it enough and you keep trying and you keep trying, it's going to proceed to get you better at it. And I also believe that us as humans, we are so capable of doing so much things. We're not like, we have the capacity to do multiple things and be good at multiple things and be bad at multiple things. So I like to believe that we should try everything once. And if you like it, if you're not good at it, but you like it, do it again and just let things flow as they may. And if you start getting better at it and you start finding love and passion for it, then you pursue it. But it's also not a bad thing to have multiple passions come into play. Like it's okay to have multiple things that you enjoy doing. It's just, you don't want to obviously spread yourself too thin because this is where I lack in that is I found passion for certain things early on. And then I slowly found passions later on in life. So I found sewing being my first passion, my first love and modeling started to come into play and modeling almost overtook the sewing aspect. Like I was focusing more on modeling because it was escalating so quickly and the sewing started to get the back end of things. Like I started not paying attention to it as much and I wasn't giving it as much attention as it deserves. So I want to find that even balance. I don't want to spread myself too thin to where I'm loving one thing more than the other. And then I'm exhausting myself with that or giving little to no effort of the other thing. And I lose love for that. Um, So you got to find like a healthy balance where it caters to you. And I can't even like express enough how important it is to just try 
because I have found so much success in failing. Like it was like, okay, I didn't do that that well, but if I try it again, I might do better next time. And I might actually nail it this time. And if I fail five times, it just means that the success is going to be like, it's going to mean that much more. Okay. Uh, let's talk about like, uh, you know, having failures and like, did you have any failures like in your life and uh, what did you learn? Okay. So one thing that I learned about the failures that I had come across in the things that I would pursue, a lot of it, I needed to be told no. I needed to be told that I wasn't good at something. And I think that's what helped me strive because then I saw other people's perspectives. And just because they told me no, just because they told me I wasn't good at something didn't mean that I couldn't be prideful of it or that I had to stop. Um, it was majority of the time it had to be me who was like saying, okay, do I want to stop doing this? Should I allow others to persuade me to make these changes or do things differently? And ultimately the answer was no, like I need to allow myself to make these decisions. So when I would fail at something, nobody else was taking that fault for me. It's always like you have to cater to yourself and your needs and your wants. So when it came to, okay, I just did that and I wasn't good at it or it didn't work. The person that needs to tell myself whether I should get back up again and try it is me. If somebody else looks at me and they're like, oh, well, that didn't work out. So like, maybe you should just give up. They're not the ones that should be making that decision for you. It should always be you at the end of the day, because the most important thing is to like find the way that like you can cater to the things that you want and need. And without that failure, you can't assess the steps that need to be taken to achieve the success. So those actually help create the steps to find like the end point of how you're going to achieve what it is you're trying to get to. So along the way, like when you like, let's say you start a business, um, you need to figure out how much money you have to invest into it, how much money you're going to lose. But then you also have to like anticipate how much money you can make off of it and balance out the loss first gain. So that comes with almost any. So when it comes to uh, the failing steps, um, it shows you what not to do and what to do better, how to make sure that you avoid it again, because if it didn't work the first time, you're going to find other outcomes that will. And I see that being very, uh, it shows that you were ambition. It shows that you don't quit and it's okay to quit at things. Like, I think that it's very valid to say that if you stop doing something, that that's okay. As long as you're the one who's stopping yourself from doing it. And with pursuing something that you have full faith in that you are prideful on that you want to see yourself enjoy like they always say um this is a really good phrase that i've heard a lot um you can't enjoy where you end up if you don't admire the journey to get there so you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. It's the same way that we like look at our lifespan is like, we get only so many years on this earth. Like not every day is going to be good and we're not always going to feel great every day. So without those bad days, we're not going to realize how good the good days are. Like we need to experience the bad order to understand what brings us happiness and what's good for us. 
because that helps us perceive things differently. So the same way with like when you go through a failure, or you ch- achieve success, like you're not going to know that you actually have the success until you went through the failure because some people might perceive the success differently than you do. Like somebody can see themselves on a billboard or somebody can um, see a certain amount of money end up in their bank account. And to other people, that might not be a success, but to you, that is. Um, but you don't recognize that without what you had to do to get there. It's like you're saying that uh, if you, you have the, like, if, even if you fail, like, if, if, it's, if, if it is the thing that you want to do, it's like, you should like continue pursuing it. You know that's you know that's because uh, because you enjoy the journey and because you will enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Like how would you know how how is your day looks like? Like what's your schedule? Like what do you do day to day? Okay. Um. So like for me, so how I could explain like even like for me today, like I pursued a photo shoot today. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, like the photo shoots that I sometimes plan here in the city, even, um, they come from me more or less showing how active I am with shooting. And with that being said, people invest their time into me and people also invest their want to like see me progress. And without those people and without allowing myself to showcase how much I work, how frequent I work and how much effort I put into my work. I don't have those days. Like there's some days where I'm like sitting around and doing nothing. And those are my favorite days (laughs) just because, um, I find myself definitely overachieving many days and I'm like overextending myself and I'm exhausted and we have to allow ourselves to have breaks. Uh, because the harder we work, it's, it also brings like the harder we fall. (laughs) So that's another lesson I learned. Like, it's like, you have to allow your days to like go in a progression and like allow there to be like times where like you slow down a little bit. Um, Like even today, like I went to the photo shoot and then I immediately hopped on this phone call with you. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I designated time for both things, for both things to be successful. And that goes with like, not necessarily being a control freak, but making sure that you designate and plan time for things that are important to you. Um, though like you and I had never met and we only had conversation up until this point. Like I wanted to make sure that I prioritized part of my day and making sure that something like this could happen. And, um, that, that goes with making sure that my day goes according to plan for all things that I want to see succeed throughout the day happen. So like, even like having the opportunity, like meeting you and talking with you and going over everything it is that you stand for with your podcasts and what you're trying to bring from them. Um, I think that's important because every opportunity such as this one, you never know what's going to come out of it. You never know what kind of people you're going to meet, um, to where you can share experiences. So like every day is a new opportunity. Like people say, like just waking up is a success. Like every time you wake up, it's a new day. It's a new day for something to become beautiful or if you have a bad day let it let it be a bad day cry about it a little bit you know like and uh just allow yourself to like know that every day is supposed to go a certain way it's okay to like that it doesn't go as planned but you also want to make sure you prioritize what's important and us being on this phone call right now was important to me if it wasn't we wouldn't be talking so like an everyday plan like every day for me it's just what 
what comes down to like prioritization. Like if I need to prioritize a full day to relaxing at home, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) So it's like what you're saying is you, you know, decide on like what what things important, like, you know, what things prioritize and you consciously like allocate time and uh, make up the schedule. So you will get everything done and you will have time to do everything successfully. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I mean, there's even people that have days where they change, like something might not go as planned or whatever. And you just got to let those days run their course. So like if my shoot didn't happen, but our podcast was able to, then I see that as like a win, you know, because I was able to at least make something that I knew I wanted to do happen. Um, Cause some people, I see more people let um, the things that default like bring them down and it doesn't allow them to like progress beyond that. Some people will like hold that. Like if, if I wasn't able to do my shoot, like I know that more will come. Um, where if we weren't able to do the podcast, like I know that there's always the rescheduling option, but people let that like weigh into their other days. And then it allows them to let those days not proceed as like good days. They always like let them become like, overcome with like oh i wish that happened and then you say this on a monday and then friday comes around and you're like oh no like i'm still dreading that decision that didn't happen and like people don't allow themselves to just i've seen some people allow themselves to like snap right back into it and go because i mean we're all different nobody's the same and if they find similar qualities that's great that just means that they can get along with people who are different and the same as them uh but i've seen too many people let the bad things like overtake their days and they lose the enjoyment of them. So even in, even in the things not happening and the things happening, there's still like ways to find enjoyment. So like today, today for me, was a good day. Like it really was. It still is. It's still going. Yeah. So it's like, you talk about like you know, having bad things or not having things work out. So, you know, how, how do you like deal with that? You know, how, how do you like get back from it? Yeah. So how I like, is there, uh, it's like, you know, like, like, you know, a bad, like, you know, something bad happens or like, you know, something doesn't go as planned and you are a bit disappointed. So like, how do you like, you know, jump back from that, you know, get into the face and continue like, you know, without, without getting on. Yeah. So I, like to believe because I will say this right now um there's been many times in my life where I didn't allow myself to feel the emotions that I felt at the moment when I was feeling and I think one of the biggest freedoms that we have in our life is to allow ourselves to be who we are yeah and (laughs) New York yeah (laughs) They're, they're always so rude let's wait one moment if you don't include that then this is not a new york podcast <laughs> let me tell you um <laughs> uh, that's a can't they see on, yeah right can't can't they see i'm on a phone call here they're so rude um <laughs> so um, yeah right exactly so um with that where i was going with that is um us as humans, like we have to allow ourselves to be humans. So when it correlates to the idea of, okay, so like I'm mad, I'm angry. Like I need to feel that motion when it's happening. 
Because if I don't, that anger is going to carry on with me until I allow myself to feel it and get past that emotion. So if I don't deal with the anger while I'm feeling that, it's going to carry on until I do deal with it. And some people like to bottle those things away and some people like to tackle it head first. Um, So it's all about like what works best for you, what serves you best. So I have learned for myself that if I don't deal with those emotions, then they linger with me. And I feel like that's just human nature. Like if we don't resolve those issues, we carry them with us. And we have to allow ourselves to be full, capable human beings. If I'm sad, if I'm angry, if I'm happy, I want to feel those emotions. I want to let those emotions ride out. And I want to understand why do I feel this way? Um, And I think that's important for us because we, we are such an advanced species that sometimes we forget that we need to act like humans and not robots and not like put these things in the back burner of our lives. Like these are all things that are important. And some people, I'm not going to say that this is the like absolute, like this is how you have to do things. Like I'm still learning how to like figure out life and figure out myself. Like I'm still like, I'm sure I'm still going to be figuring out myself when I'm 50 years old. Um, So with that being said, it's just like, I think one of the most important things when people like are having, you know, the bad days, um, they're having bad moments. If they don't understand them as being bad, then again, like how I had said before, like you can't have good without the bad because the bad shows you how good the good really is. And then the bad shows you what you do and don't deserve or what you do and don't want and how you can designate to where, okay, I need to make sure that there's less of that coming to me and more of this. And that's how like you bring more value to your life. Cause one thing that people put a lot of value on in their life is things to bring them comfort. Like they look at materialistic things. They look at time. They look at monetary value. They never actually look at things and be like, look at all the stuff that I have done in my life to make me happy. Like that is your, that should be like your end all value. Like you prioritize your family, you prioritize your job, you prioritize your happiness at the end of the day, like that just brings you more of those things to occur and come through. If you allow bad things to overtake you, it's just going to gravitate more bad things to you because you're not allowing yourself to see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Like, so when you are focusing on so many other things that revolve around the bad, it almost like doesn't allow the good to come to you. It's because you're focusing on all these bad things and a good one good thing can come to you and you can have five bad things on your mind. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Like you don't have enough focus to put on that one good thing that could possibly deplete those five bad things that you're worried about. So I guess it's like all about a point of perception. It's like, that's how I have found myself to really like be how I would say like emotionally free. I let myself, feel emotions when I'm feeling them. I don't let myself become dehumanized by that. Like I let myself be a human when I, when I need to be. Um, I feel like the only thing that I repetitively do that makes me feel like a robot is I sleep. <laughs> like, it's just like, I always have to make sure at least I do this for myself. But if I want to cry today, I'm going to cry today. And if I'm going to smile all day tomorrow, I'm going to smile all day tomorrow. You know, so it's just like, it's one of those things. You just got to be, a, you just got to be a human. 
at the end of the day, we all are. You got to understand that, like, we weren't made to be superhuman. So it's like uh, you talk about, like, you know, yeah, like, you know, dealing with emotions we don't like, you know, like, like, not let it linger. So, like, it, so it will, like, most probably affect, like, you know, the other things. So, like, it's good thing. Right, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Because your focus can be very divvied up sometimes. Like how I was even saying, like when you have multiple passions, that's okay. Um, as long as you know how and where to put your attention so that things don't get dismissed or overlooked more than the others. And that is the same thing goes with your emotions. Like if you out, if you let the anger outweigh the happiness, the anger is never going to go away. Yeah. And so- vice versa. You allow yourself to be happy all the time. You don't get to feel all the emotions that you should be feeling. So when you get angry, it's like, how do I deal with this? What do I do with this? Yeah. So uh, let's say like in anger, uh, it's kind of like commonplace for me, and I think uh, it's a commonplace for like a lot of people. Uh, you know, it, so when in anger, it's like uh, it's like you know bad things happen to you. So it's like uh, like how do you control it? You know, if you have anger or like. How do you go through it, like, you know, without making investments? So, like, you really have to understand, like, who you are as a person. Because a lot of people act on certain emotions in different ways. So, like, a perfect example is when we're happy, we smile or we laugh. Um, Some people, one of the feelings that we have, like, when we think about anger, is a lot of people do act on that type of emotion in different ways. Some people become physical. Some people become verbal. um, Some people become dismissive where they do nothing at all. And then eventually they could explode um, because they're not dealing with it when it's very relevant. And it's all about like, I think that's one of the like core things is like learning how you handle those things. So like if I was a physically violent person, um, hypothetically speaking, um, I have to determine that that's one of the ways I act on this emotion. Like I have to understand, like if I'm a physically violent person, I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying that that's a good thing to have, but I bring on this understanding that that's how I react to this emotion. And with that, it's like, you have to have an understanding of like how you act on any of your emotions that you have. Like when you're sad, what do you do? You cry. Like, it's just like a very human thing like you just act on these emotions um so i guess it's all about understanding where these emotions are one coming from two your reaction to them and then three how you control them or how you act on them and those are like the three things that i can think of just off the top of my head because anytime i ever feel any types of emotions i try to make sure like i understand what the emotion even is like if i'm angry like i can sit here and have a conversation myself and be like oh i'm angry Um, so yeah, those three factors come into play. And, um, with that being said, it's just like, you have to, like, I'm not saying that it's easy. Like people have to like understand who they are and understand all these different things happening around them to know really what's going on. Like you have to be a little bit open-minded sometimes because you might have your best friend might perceive anger in a different way or act on anger in a different way. And you can't control them. You can only control yourself and how you react to them. Um, So it's almost like where you have control and where you lack it. So a lot of times people even say, like, if you don't have control of some things, you have to let them go. 
You can't control how people feel. You can't control how they act or react to things. All you can control is your place alongside them. And you have to learn to let go of the things you can't control and focus more on the things that you can. And again, as I said, it's not easy, but it's important. It's important to have that understanding and that like mental thought go on in your brain because some people do thrive off of like having control of situations. And then there's some people that have learned that lesson and they practice it. And that goes without saying, like if you practice these habits, then they become part of you. If you don't practice them, then you become a creature of habit to where you keep on allowing these things to reoccur that you know are not good, let alone healthy for yourself or others. So it's really about learning and understanding for yourself. Um, Sometimes people need a long time to do that. Sometimes people need very little time, but it's all important at the end of the day. I would like to talk about WISE, receive money directly to your account with zero fees, wherever you are in the world. Hold and convert money to over 40 currencies, instantly in your account. Get a debit card to spend in any currency, all with WISE's low and transparent fees. Try it out from the affiliate link below, with no additional cost to you. And now back to the podcast. Let's talk about your uh, fashion design career. So how, how, how did it start? You know, what, what inspired you to get started with that? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Okay. So I actually started sewing around nine years old. Yeah. And that, that was because um, when I was younger, I had a difficult body shape to kind of find clothes that fit for. So I would normally, you know, go shopping with my parents and friends um, to the stores and buy clothes that primarily didn't fit me, um, majority of the time. So it ended up turning into, I saw the need where I needed my clothes to fit me and I slowly started tailoring them. So I would take the clothing and just fix them in some aspect. Um, and I would make them actually fit me. And eventually I realized that that was wasting my money, wasting my parents' money, wasting my time. And eventually I just started like studying how clothes were made. Like I looked at the structures of how like you put on a sleeve and how you cut the patterns and whatnot. So that's how I primarily learned as I was looking at how clothes were actually being made. And then I just started constructing them myself and it wasn't so much that like it saved me money, but it definitely saved me a hassle for sure. And for the, uh, for the entirety of that, I just kept going with it. And by the time I turned about 15, 16, word of mouth had passed around that I was making clothes and that I was tailoring clothes. So eventually a friend of mine, or I guess you could say, Um, a mutual friend of a bunch of my friends had reached out to me and she had wanted to potentially take me on as like a tailor because she was a personal stylist for people. And she took me under her wing 
couple years later after making the introduction and I was getting a lot of business through her because a lot of people would go shopping with her and buy things. But then it turned into like, oh, but I have this tailor in case this doesn't fit you correctly. So I would get a lot of my clients through her just word of mouth, like people knowing that this was something that I primarily did. And from there, just kind of took off. And I was making all different walks of things. Like I wasn't just making clothes or tailoring clothes. I was doing more than that. And it just kind of followed me all the way through high school. And then I started doing it in college where we actually had fashion shows. And in college is when I started to kind of look at modeling a little bit. And then I just pursued it. Once I finished with college, because of the fashion shows, I was able to create garments to show in the fashion shows. And I was helping my classmates learn how to like sew and design things. So from there, it just kind of proceeded on and it always followed me throughout my life from like when I started and it's still pretty relevant. So now a lot of times people will just message me on like Instagram and they'll be like, hey, can you make this? And they'll send me a photo of it. I'll make it for them and get like their measurements based on like what stores they shop at. And I just will mail it to them from there after receiving payment. Or um, sometimes people will look at things that I've posted that I've made for myself and they'll inquire about me making those garments for them. Or if they want to buy the original garment, then they'll buy it off of me. And even doing fashion shows in the past couple of years, people will buy my items like straight off of seeing it on the runway. So that's kind of what it's turned into. Um, Right now, um, I am taking more time to do modeling, but I do see me getting more into... uh, getting back into clothing and giving it the attention it deserves because I enjoy it. I just don't want to do it too much to where I lose my love for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, as we talked about before, it's like, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's one of your passions and you, you developed it, you know, at, at a point of uh, like, you know, you can describe this, you know, it's as a part of your career. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the modeling aspect. So how did you got started with that? So I did a quick fashion shoot at my college back when I attended. And it was like a pretty small photo shoot, just a photographer that wanted to shoot some ideas. And even for that shoot, I shot some stuff that I had made. And it was pretty cool to like see it. But at that time, I wasn't very confident as far as like my personal like opinion of myself, my self-esteem. I didn't really look at myself in a good manner. So I didn't really take to it from that first instance. And shortly after or even within college, on top of like doing the fashion shows and walking for runways, wearing my designs and designs that other people created. I had started posting like my photos from like my friends and I did senior portraits and we posted them on Instagram because that started to become a thing. And eventually a photographer online had reached out to me and was like, I love your look. I would love to shoot with you. And at first I was like, okay, creepy guy on the internet. Um, And it turned into like, we met in a public place and we ended up becoming great friends. We're still friends to this day. And he honestly is the reason why I even got into modeling because the more I shot with him, 
I was seeing my perception of myself through his eyes. And the more I shot, like I started seeing more and I started like noticing, like I've looked basically what I kind of like decided for myself was I've looked like the same way I did my entire, like growing up at that moment when he was photographing me. And I was like, why wasn't I like, why didn't I have confidence? Why didn't I feel good about myself? And I think it was primarily because like I was talking to myself in a bad way. And I started, you know, looking at the things that I could control about myself and the things that I couldn't, um, both physically and mentally. And eventually I just said, you want to know what? I need to stop worrying about the things that I can't control about me. And I would need to worry about the things I can control and start looking at them and working on them in a positive manner. So I took to modeling as not a way of like finding people to praise me for it, but to find praise for myself, to start feeling good about myself and be okay that like my legs might not be, you know, the same size as other people's or they might not be long or I just, I physically don't gain weight or anything of that nature. Like I just allowed myself to go into it with an open mind and allow myself to portray myself how I wanted to be portrayed. Um, Not so much that like I wanted to feel good about it. I wanted to go in and I wanted to create. So a lot of times it wasn't even about looking good. It was about creating or capturing a moment or showcasing an idea and putting it from my brain or taking someone else's idea that they have and capturing it. And it started to become more of an art form rather than just something to do. Yeah. So the creative aspect is what kept me hooked. It was like, the more I did it, the more people I met and the more things I got to do and the more value my life started to have. And it was no longer about me. It was about what everything I was doing was going to bring to me and continue to bring to me. And so far, it was the best decision I ever made because it made me happier. It made me self-conscious about, you know, what matters and what doesn't matter about me. So like my physicality is a part of me. So I have to understand that just because I look the way I look doesn't mean that it's the only thing that I should have aspiring for me. Like I should be happy with what I look like and improve the things that I can control about what I look like, but also know that like, that's not the most important thing. Like my pictures can look great. I can look great in the photos, but what I want to do is I want to feel good about those photos. I want to know that the emotions I was feeling while I was creating those photos or getting these ideas and taking them from paper into a photo, like I want them to speak volumes and I think that's one of the most important things because even on a runway, you capture an audience and everybody has their moment of you're in the spotlight and you're doing this and everybody's looking straight to you and at you and you are their focus. And even with photos, like it's a little bit different because everybody can look at all the aspects of the photos. They can look at how this corner looks. They can look at the background, the foreground, your outfit, what you're wearing, your hair, your makeup like all these different things that come into play. So you have more control when it comes to modeling for yourself as opposed to on a runway modeling for someone else. And that was another thing too, is establishing control over the career that I wanted to create for myself. And 
for lack of better wording, I guess, um, I became very addicted to it because I just found so much love for it. I was like, I don't ever want to stop until one day I have to. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's great. Uh, I think it, it is also uh, one that you liked and it was naturally progressed in your life. So let's say like if someone wants to become a model, uh, what kind of advice would you give them? And like, you know, what kind of mindset someone should have when, if, if they are. Working? Okay. So I definitely think that with modeling, there can be a lot of uh, default on someone's part, depending on what kind of mindset they have going in. So obviously there's a lot of stereotypes out there where, and this goes for people just in their own personal manner or even with agencies, because agencies play a huge role in the industry. And a lot of people get this idea in their head that they need to look the part or they need to do things in order to to get to what these people are looking for. And it's not necessarily that you have to match the mold, but you have to know what mold you fit into. And there's all different kinds, especially in the fashion industry. There's women, there's men, there's petite, there's plus size, there's swimwear, there's athletic, there's fitness models. Like there's so many different categories that you just need to know where you fit in, where you like to be. So like if you're a petite model, you're not necessarily going to be a runway model. And that's unfortunately just because of your height. And for like a plus size model, um, a lot of that has to do with like wearing certain demographics of clothing for brands that have plus sizes. Because there are brands out there that unfortunately don't even have plus size clothing. So like you can't necessarily get hired with that company if they don't have your sizes. And it sucks that sometimes these are discriminatory values in the industry, but they are real and fortunate. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful. It just means you need to fit. You need to find out where you fit. You don't need to fit in. You don't need to work to fit in. You just need to find where you're going to succeed. So for me, I like to do everything. I still do runway, even though I'm on the shorter side. And that's just because I take the opportunities. I put myself out there. I practice my runway walk. If I don't practice my runway walk, I'm not going to get booked for runway shows. If my walk's not good, they don't even care. Like if my walk is good, they're not probably going to care much about my height. And that's just a given sometimes. It's like if you practice and you make sure you're good at it, people will see you and they'll want you. That's just like you got to find like the market that you fit in for. And then you got to just do things to cater to that, but also make sure that you also enjoy it. Don't do it just because you fit the mold. Make sure you do it because you're going to enjoy it. Like if somebody's not comfortable with shooting in swimwear in front of the camera or lingerie, like if they don't like being captured in those aspects of clothing, um, you either have to work yourself up to feeling good in that especially if that's a niche that you want to stick with or you just have to like cut your losses and say, okay, well, this might not be for me if I'm not comfortable with it. So I need to find another place that I could be. Cause that's also another big thing too, is comfort. And, um, that's a lot of people that are, that's a lot of like of it that plays a huge role is people will go into it with an open mind, but then the moment they get told no, they become sheltered and they're like, wait, 
I don't fit here. And then they correlate the no with, I got turned down. It's like, you didn't get turned down because you weren't good. It's just, you didn't match what they're looking for. Because at the end of the day, if you're getting hired by brands and by agencies and booked for shows and booked for shoots, they're hiring you or they're booking you because you're what they're looking for. If they're looking for a 5'4 to 5'7 height and you have brown hair, or blonde hair, and that's on the criteria of who they're looking for, they're going to find people that match that. doesn't mean that you're not good. It just means that you weren't entirely down to the specs of what they were looking to hire, but doesn't mean that other people aren't going to hire you. So unfortunately, some people take the no as meaning that they're not good at it or they're not going to be picked. And in this industry, you have to learn that no isn't a bad thing. So that's like the biggest advice I can give to somebody starting out truly. Like that's something I wish I had learned in the beginning. Um, Luckily, it didn't take me long to learn that. But it's something that I wish I was told. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, to sum up, so what you said was like the first thing is you don't make yourself different to, you know, fit fit into something. You just you find uh, like what what suits you the best, and or the other thing mm-hmm. is you know being comfortable with uh, like the thing you want to do. Like if you're not comfortable, you don't have to do that. And the mm-hmm. third part is, you know, like we talk about in other, every other aspect as well. So in, in terms of business and otherwise, it's like, you know, when you get a rejection, it's, uh, they're not rejecting you. Like, you know, they are rejecting you at this moment or they're rejecting you, rejecting your idea or like, you know, something like that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about, you know, agencies, uh, like, you know, so does a model need any agencies or if so like you know how how can someone get signed to that uh, okay so for me i necessarily can speak about this to a point um just because i started primarily modeling when i was about 19 and i am now 27 and i've gotten advice from agencies i've gotten advice from people who have worked with agencies yeah and to be totally honest with you i feel like i've had a very successful and happy career without one. Um, Now that I am in a city where I can find an agency and get signed, I look at it as a positive if I were to commit to one, but I am very aware that I don't need one. It's just the aspect of if I was going to sign with one, it's basically, it's money that I'm already not making. They can find me jobs and contacts that I necessarily can't find or get on my own. And because they've built up this reputation where brands are going to come to them first, because at that point, the brand is sourcing them. And then the brand is then the agency's client and they're looking for talent and the agency can provide that talent. They can um, safeguard that the talent's going to be reliable, that they're going to be good and that this is exactly what they're doing for a profession. And it just goes down the line of like, the starting phase a brand's looking for an agency and then they need the agency's talent. Then the agency looks through the talent and figures out what that brand wants or who would work good with that brand. And it just, it becomes like a ladder. So for me entirely, I don't think it would hurt for me to get an agency, regardless of my age, regardless of how long I've been doing it. There's always room to grow and learn and improvement. 
So if I were to sign on with it right now, it wouldn't be a loss as long as I can still continue to do what I'm doing now outside of it. Because I know that that sometimes can be tricky too. Some agencies won't let you do your own um, freelance work and some will. It also depends on what contract you sign because there are multiple types of contracts agencies look for. So with that being said, um, if people want to start doing an agency, like I full-heartedly think that it's a good idea because I definitely can't sit here and be a hypocrite about it because one, I've never signed on with one. And two, I'm also sitting here saying that I wouldn't be opposed to doing one. So I think that it's, it can be a good idea. And the only thing is finding the right one, doing the research, seeing how you can fit with certain agencies and whatnot, because they also have what they call boards and books. So they, you would fit in the category of what book or board you would fit on. So like, if you're on the shorter side, if like I was saying earlier, if you're on the shorter side, you're a plus, you're a fitness model, they put you in those categories. So that way it's easier for you to book jobs. And that's about as much as I really could say about agencies, because they're not a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, they have their problems just like every job would, but I wouldn't say to completely shut down the idea for anybody if they're looking for one. Yeah. So is it usually the module like reach out to the agency or like the agency like, you know, reach out to, you know, people like, you know, modules to get them signed? It can be either or. Yeah. Um, a lot of models, um, what they do is they do submissions. So they'll take what they call digitals and they'll submit them to agencies that they look into, that they research, that they like, and they just go from there. Yeah. And um, the same with the agencies is they can find models. They can find models through social media or the models having their own website or portfolio. Um, so a lot of times it can be 50-50, like models can be scouting out agencies and agents could, agencies can be scouting out models on most of the time the internet as well. And that's become like a big tool for the industry to find models to work with. Yeah. So let's say you talk about the submission. So like, you know, what kind of things, you know, like usually if, if you're doing a submission, uh, like what do you need to submit to usually? So for models to submit to agencies, most of the time what they need is they need to have their measurements um, and they all have to be updated. So it's usually about every six months that they want models to send them in like new measurements and new photos. So if your body type does change a lot, like my measurements haven't really changed much in the past couple of years, they've been pretty much the same. And uh, you send them a headshot, you send them a profile shot, um, full body. And you'll also send them like, sometimes it can be like a very like form fitted outfit or something that flatters you to show off like what your body shape is and also show like the details of you. And most of the time it's little to no makeup at all. Um, it's very standard against a white wall and it's just to show your features because they want to look at you as a blank canvas. They want to see how they can dress you up and what kind of hair you have, what kind of features you have, because they want to play off of what you already are and work their way up from that. So that's typically what they look for with submissions. Yes. So uh, also, like you you talk about a portfolio as well. Uh, So like how, how can someone, you know, start developing that, you know, 
what kind of photos they need to have. Okay. Um, so for portfolio work, a lot of time it's to show case how you do yeah. with any type of photo shoot. So a lot of people sometimes will include portfolios from if they're a runway model, they'll receive photos from walking on the runway from photographers that attended the event. So yeah. sometimes people will use that to showcase that they've walked runway. And then there's also other times where um, a portfolio can be like you set up a photo shoot with somebody. And sometimes it can be like time for time where like you guys are both um, paying each other your time uh, for the shoot. Or if you're reaching out to the photographer, like you can necessarily hire them. Um, or sometimes the photographers will hire you either way. But most portfolio is like you seeking out a photographer or what they call test shoots. So they'll set it up to where there's hair and makeup and wardrobe provided, and you will get all your portfolio done within that photo shoot. Or you can take different works. Like for me, in speaking from like my experience, I have a bunch of work that I've shot with multiple photographers. So I can include like multiple photos from one photo shoot in different poses, different variations, different outfits to showcase that I can be um, interchangeable. So like you always want to include like something fashion, something editorial, you want beauty shots. So you want like close up on your face or full makeup, full hair. Like you want to show how you can range because then that also shows how well you can be worked with for different opportunities. So if like Adidas wanted to work with me, it's a sports majority sports brand. So they obviously wouldn't want to see me only posting beauty and fashion work. They want to see that I can showcase like a fitness model persona. And then the same with, if I was going to work with like any beauty brand, like with Sephora, any of their makeup brands that they carry, um, they're going to want to see beauty shots. They're going to want to see fashion shots because most of the time they're focused on the products and how they look on you. So that's just kind of like where you got to find like the market and how it fits in. And um, your portfolio will showcase that. And a portfolio can get you booked for jobs. They want to see how well you work and how much your range can expand. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about when you are like in a shooting, like in, a, in the set. So what can you like, how, how does it usually look like? What's the process there? Let's talk about that. So depending on what the shoot can be, because me, I primarily, for myself, I am very self-sufficient. I usually try to do my own hair. I do my own makeup. Um, I pack my own wardrobe. I style myself. Um, Not everybody's like that. (laughs) Um, But you can also go to sets where, and I've been on a lot of sets too, where wardrobes provided for me, like the wardrobes already picked out. It's all ready to go for what we're going to be shooting. And there can also be like hair and makeup there. So primarily, if you're like me, you're getting ready at home, you're getting your hair done, your makeup done. If you can't do one of it, you show up to set and you finish it and then you get started. Um, If you're showing up to a shoot and there's all things provided for you, which most test shoots probably will be provided, you would jump right into hair and makeup immediately. Like no questions asked, go get your hair and makeup done. And then from there, they would either have like a stylist on hand of that sort and they would go through like, okay, this is what look we're going to do first. 
And sometimes they'll even change up the hair and makeup in between the shots. So if this outfit calls for different hair and makeup, they'll change it. So it's just very progressive as like they try to go in and do multiple looks and multiple shots and they want to establish everything down. So sometimes they'll even, um, what they do is they create a mood board or they'll look up inspiration that brings all the ideas before you get on set for the shoot. That way it gets produced easier because I've done a lot of impulsive shoots where I'm just going off of a whim and I'm just coming up with those ideas or the photographers coming up with ideas like right then and there. But there's also times where I've go in and like everything's planned out accordingly. Like this is what kind of shots we want to get. So it's very, it can be so different. It could be so planned out or it can just be completely out of the box and like, you don't know what's going to happen. So it really is like one of those to each their own kind of situations. Like it can be so many different things because the fashion industry is going to be around for as long as we are. And it's going to be always all over the place. Like I've been to fashion shows and they're messy. They are always messy. Like the bigger the fashion show, the less organized it is. And it, it looks amazing on the runway, but it is absolutely crazy backstage. Like it is not good. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it's just like, it's one of those, like, if the circumstances show that it's going to be planned out or whatever, cool. If it's going to be like impulsive, like on the spot thing, then that's exactly what it's going to be. Like, it can be so many variations. Like, there's no written rule of how any of these things are supposed to go. <laughs> so I wish there was a proper, like, straight answer I could give. But of the two examples I at least gave you for photo shoots, those are like roughly them. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, two, two different scenarios, like in runways, so, you know, fashion shows to, you know, mm-hmm. shoots that. So we talk about the runway shows. Uh, can you like describe more about that, how that situation goes? Usually? Runways are interesting because a lot of people don't think that this is like really it, but yeah. a lot of it's a lot of it's sitting and waiting around for something to happen. <laughs> so when you show up, you're not always immediately going into hair and makeup. Sometimes you're sitting around waiting for somebody to do your hair and makeup because other people got there before you or other people fall in line in the priority list faster than you do. So like for a perfect example, I walked in New York Fashion Week this past spring and there was 9 a.m. showings for designers there was noon showings and then there was four, three or 4 p.m. And then there was a 7 p.m. So those were all different show times and they were all at the same venue. So everybody that was supposed to be there for the 3 p.m. show was showing up at 9 and noon or whatever throughout the day. So they were sitting around all day. But if they were walking in the noon show, obviously the noon show makeup is going to get done first or the hair. So if you're walking in the 3 p.m. show, you're sitting around waiting for nothing. But you have to be there because if you're not there, when it's your turn to get ready or like a chair opens up, like you're missing it. Like you're probably going to have a lot of trouble even getting a spot in the chair. So, um, yeah, like that's something that a lot of people don't realize until they do shows. And then they're like, wait a minute. 
So my biggest suggestions, if anybody ever pursues fashion shows is bring a charger, bring a battery charger. If you have one, like a portable, bring snacks, (laughs) lots of water. Sometimes, sometimes some shows will actually provide them with you. Like you can actually show up and there's already food and water being provided, which is great. Um, That's not always the case, but that's one thing that they don't tell you is a lot of it is just sitting around doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, so otherwise you, you can't be like going, you know, like in the crunch time, maybe half an hour earlier because there's a lot more need to do it. You need to be available in case something happens or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, a lot of it really has to do with time. And if you're not there at the time that they need you, they're going to boot you and they're going to find someone to fill your spot. That's plain yeah. and simple. If you're not there and you're not dedicated to it, trust yeah, me, like, they you know, will, they'll find yeah. someone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it, it's a sacrifice you need to make, you know, you know, get that done. We need to like, you know, allocate this time, you know, be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I guess another thing I would say about the shows too is, um, like there can be multiple ones in a day. So like, especially for fashion weeks, like how I was saying there was multiple shows happening throughout the day. Like for me, I always get somehow, I always get roped into walking in multiple shows on days like that. Yeah. So you really got to sit around and wait, but sometimes I even found a trick to like bring my own hair and makeup stuff. So if they're like, Oh, we got to curl our hair. Then I'm like, okay, I'll curl my hair and then they can style it however they want after that. Or Um, I can get my makeup at least started and stuff like that. So I've seen a lot of people do that, but again, the bigger the show, sometimes it's a little more accommodating, but there's still is waiting around. Like there's no, I have yet to been to any fashion shows where you're not like sitting around waiting, sitting on your phone doing something. And it's crazy because you're sitting around, there's all this prep time. You could be there for like seven hours in that day. And then Yeah. And then all of a sudden you walk on the runway and it lasts like 15, 20 seconds and then you're done. Like all of that for that tiny little snippet of, yeah. So it's, it still is thrilling. Yeah. It's sometimes, I mean, it's, it's rewarding too. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not, but at least with photo shoots, it's a little different because photo shoots, you get a physical product in front of your hand for a runway. It's done. It's over. You might get photos. You might not, you have no idea if that's going to happen, but you go through all of these hours of getting everything ready to go for these 15, 20 seconds of adrenaline walking on the stage in the spotlight. And then you're done. You walk off days over, go give the clothes back to the designer and you go home. Or you go to an after party. Sometimes they have those. I would like to talk about WISE. Receive money directly to your account with zero fees, wherever you are in the world. Hold and convert money to over 40 currencies instantly in your account. Get a debit card to spend in any currency, all with Wise's low and transparent fees. Try it out from the affiliate link below, with no additional cost to you. And now back to the podcast.
Yeah, of course. So you were asking me after about parties. after parties. Yeah. The important part, right? I typically don't go to many of them, let alone any, just because I do end up being tired after. But a lot of times that they'll usually like book a venue and they'll have like everybody that attended the show go to that location or sometimes they'll book it to like let the venue know about beforehand like, oh, we just had an event. We're going to have this many guests coming. Um, Sometimes they'll even like sell tickets for after parties for people. So they'll have it where like you can go to a place that they know is going to primarily be busy. And then they just will attend there. And it's a great marketing experience for um, the show. But it's also a good connection experience, too, because you might go to all these events and these shows and you won't have time to get to know many of the people. But if you go to the after parties, majority of the time, that's where you can connect with like some models or other designers or people that helped put on the show because you never know who you're going to meet. It's very it's very easy to like make new friends or make business connections and whatnot there or even find potential opportunity. So it can definitely work out. Yeah. So it's like when you're in the fashion show, you're you're in the like the move to work, you're focused on the work, uh, even Mm -hmm. if you're not doing anything. So it's it's the thing you're running in your mind. So in the after part, then the thing you like feel relaxed. So like you can meet a lot of people. You know, like in a networking event or something like that, you just go and talk to people. So that's what I think it's like the most thing people focus on. Yeah, because so, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's a very important role in the aspect of like fashion events is because sometimes a lot of people that you wouldn't expect to go or let's say you know of somebody who's going to be attending and it's you know that it would be a great opportunity to meet said person yes, or yeah. Like, let's say like, oh, this person, like you, like if there's someone that you aspire to meet, especially like whether it's someone who's famous, somebody who really like plays a role in your success as far as like someone you watch. And if you could potentially find yourself at the same event as them, like that just makes it a better opportunity to not so much even like meet the person, but you never know what could come out of that interaction. Like you could eventually be friends with this person, you know, or they could provide you with more work or just, you know, a contact for better contacts for you. Like it, it all kind of like works out in the end if you let it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, let's say like, how would you meet people? So like, you know, how would you do like let it flow? Like, you like look for specific people to meet let's say like if you were to do that how would you do for me especially um so like i'll kind of talk about like a situation recently i went to an event it was a charity event put on by some friends that i had actually come to know here in new york city because we were in contact before i moved to new york city they knew who i was just because i had some friends that they knew who I had also met before I moved to New York. And with that being said, it kind of just played a part where eventually I befriended these people. They started extending like invites to me and at their events, um, especially this one in particular that I went to, there was people there who I had been meaning to meet for a very long time. 
They just happened to be going to the same event I was. So in that aspect, it worked out great because I got to meet some of the actual people I've been wanting to meet on my own terms for a very long time. And I took advantage of the situation that I was able to go there and meet them. But they were able to meet me as well because it was something that I know that they were anticipating. And on top of that, I also met a couple other people. And in the aspects of meeting the other people, there was even someone who was interested in like my design work. They wanted to look into possibly um, having me help them design something and make it for a family member of theirs. So it really comes down to like, you can be tired. You can be whatever it is you're feeling unless you're sick, stay home. Like, you know, but at the same time, it's like, you also want to like weigh out the ideas and options of things because every time people leave their house, it's an opportunity, um, not necessarily for work or for fun or meeting people or an event or anything that nature. It's an opportunity to have a different experience or a different day than you had yesterday. So just in me going to this event, like I didn't know that I was going to potentially meet more people that I was actually going to befriend. And I did. Some of the people that I had met there, we had always intentionally wanted to meet with each other, but we never really arranged anything and we just kept just missing each other. So it it turned into the aspect of um, they just happened to be there. And I was like, holy crap, I didn't know you were going to be here. But it works out perfectly sometimes. And I can't necessarily say that that's going to happen with everybody and everything. But I think sometimes that can really, truly just be because the world is as small as it isn't. Like, it doesn't look small. It doesn't feel small. But sometimes it just is, especially in New York City. New York City definitely plays a role in, like, you never know who you're going to meet on the street. You never know who you're going to meet when you go out. And it's just, it's a different world here, at least. But it is... It is something like when you go to these events, like you have to kind of have like an open mind to what can occur at them. And you also need to like know your limit, too, because you don't want to make all these um, new connections and then all of a sudden go drink a whole bottle of tequila (laughs) and have your night turn into something completely different Um, because then those people will meet you, but then they'll also meet a different side of you. So it's also like, I mean... I'm not going to sit here and shame anybody for partying, but you also want to like, know, like you want to kind of like read the situation, <laughs> like don't not have fun, but also let's say you're going to a party um, and you know that there's going to be some big time people there that could have contacts or you could potentially meet them. They can provide you, you know some work or just any opportunities. The last thing you want to do is drink a whole bottle of alcohol (laughs) because just because like, I'm sure they party too, but it's just, you don't want to like put yourself in a situation like that. Yeah. So that's understandable. So when you see like a person that you haven't met or like, you know, someone's, you know, some, someone you look up to, you know, someone you want to really meet, like, How would you go and introduce yourself? Initially, especially for me, I kind of have the lucky end of the deal. I don't really get too starstruck by people. So like when people like see like famous people or someone that they 
watch like in the spotlight. They're kind of like, oh my gosh, I love this person or like a famous singer, a famous actor or like a famous model in my aspect. It could be something where like you don't want to approach them screaming and being like, oh my God, I love you, blah, blah, blah. Like you don't know that person. A lot of times, especially like I've looked at the aspect of like what fame is and it's not necessarily something that I would aspire for because I would like to go to the park and not get harassed by people just because they know who I am yeah. or be able to, you know, go to the grocery store and buy eggs or something. But it's the aspect of like, you want to go into it knowing that these are humans. These are people. They're the same as you. They just get paid a lot of money to be known for what they do. So sometimes people, I think people really do kind of lose that thought process at times when it comes to these people, especially since we get them portrayed to us in an aspect of like, their lives are desirable. So a lot of people really do cling to them and look to them for what they have, um, which is to be known. They have a lot of money and they do all these different things and they have different lifestyles than majority of people. Yeah. So I, I like to look at it in the sense that I know not everybody will do this. I know that a lot of people like will walk up to them and freak out or they'll ignore any potential meeting them whatsoever. They'll be like, I'm not going to do it. I can't go talk to them. Like, like they'll get nervous or get anxiety or whatever. And then it'll just never happen. (laughs) So um, with that being said, it's just, I guess it's all about like personal perspective. Like for me, I know I'm not going to run up to them and scream and shake their hand and like, be like, I love you so much, blah, blah, blah. Like at that point, I know very little information about them. And one of the main things I know about them is really just their name and what they do for a living. Other than that, I don't know who they are. They don't know me. So it's the circumstance of just, you know, treating them like a stranger. <laughs> so, but everybody has a different way of doing things and that's okay. So when you meet a new person, you're like, you know, you exchange contacts or something like that. So how would you keep in touch with them afterwards uh, how would you like you know if you want to ask for opportunity or like if you want to know like if they have an opportunity and like you know like if you want to consider consider you for that kind of thing uh, how would you go how, how would you keep the relationship going afterwards well i'll definitely say this to start at least because a lot of times like yes if you see a situation that you know you could benefit from or you could potentially get a work from, you can get an opportunity or make a connection with somebody or doing something that you would really want to pursue. A lot of times people don't want to feel like they're only being talked to for just that and only that and nothing else. So for me, I definitely try to find a lot of like personal reasons to like stay in touch with people, especially people who like might have similar interests or qualities and whatnot. So with that being said, like you don't want it to be empty. Like if I reach out to somebody and I'm like, oh yeah, it was really nice to meet you. I know that we discussed like you wanting to book me for a shoot or whatever. I'm definitely very interested in something like that. Um, Please be in touch if this is something that you still would want to do with me, as opposed to being like, I really want to shoot with you so much. Like, please let me know, like when we could do this, like, I'm really looking forward to it. Like, I'm so happy I got to meet you. Like you want, you don't want it to play, be played off as like, it's a transaction, you know, like I think that it's very important to find a personal connection with the people that we meet 
Um, just because they can offer you something doesn't mean that you should make it be like, that's the only thing that they have to offer. Like they, they are human just like you are. They have wants and needs and goals. And if you want to get to know them and they want to get to know you, that's fine and dandy. And then there's some people that really will just like talk to you and give you exactly what it is you're asking for. And they don't let it go beyond that. And that's fine too. I guess it's all about like the situation at hand. Like if it looks like it's just going to be very simple business like conversation, then that's what it's going to be. If it's going to be personal and business, then you make sure that you uphold both levels of that conversation. Like you'd want to make sure like you genuinely are talking to them for them. And then when business needs to be talked about, then you talk about that. So I think it's a, a proper balance, I would say, is like always necessary when it comes to things like that. You don't want to like outweigh one more than the other and ever make somebody feel like they're just valued for one yeah. thing and, and not the other. Yeah, it's like you don't want them to feel like you're, you're there for like for your purposes. Like in a situation like that, they might feel like, you know, they they just want this like you know they they don't appreciate me for me like you know something like that I think. Mm-hmm. it's i think i guess the perfect example would be like if you work with your boss if you work yeah. with your employees at your job you don't have to be friends with your boss you don't have to be friends with your employees yes but you do have to have a understanding with each other to where you all can do what you need to together and to get things done and to make sure things work properly and that you guys can achieve all the goals that you need to together. Um, So with that being said, like I can necessarily say like, it makes sense that employees and bosses will talk to you about majority of the time work because when you're at work, you're getting paid to work. So a lot of times your conversation can be that. And it's totally okay if your conversations aren't always about work when you are at work and when you're with your employees and your bosses and it's okay to not like who you work with. And it's okay to like who you work with. Like me in the past, when I worked at my jobs, I always found myself being friends with my coworkers and I could clearly tell which ones I wasn't friends with right off the start. So with that being said, it's like, if I wanted to hang out with them outside of work, that's me creating a friendship with them and we leave work out of it because the last thing we want to do is be talking about something that you don't want that to be the only thing you have in common like you want to actually be able to create a human connection with them rather than talking about work all the time (laughs) yeah let's say you talk about you know how like having things in common with other people so how how do you find that how do you explore topics to find uh, commonalities within you i guess a perfect example for this would also be um So I currently live with three other females and we all pursue modeling, Um, but we also pursue very vastly different things as well. So like I'm pursuing uh, fashion design and I work at a photo studio that I help manage and I guess comparatives like two other ones work in the service industry at um, a rooftop pool here in the city. Another one, she has her esthetician license. So like she has jobs where she basically works off of that. So um, even though we all have common interests, we all have very different interests as well outside of that. 
So we all work together and we come together well because we all have this one large similarity. Um, We have friendships also that we maintain outside of those things. So not only are we roommates, but we're also friends and we also all support each other in our similarities and our differences. So I think that's like a very important dynamic to elaborate on to like answer your question, because when you find yourself surrounding yourself with like minded people, it creates this support system and this understanding that um, you can do things and be friends with people. And like sometimes there can be like moments of like when people have similarities or common interests that it can be a beautiful thing, but it can also be a bad thing, too. Sometimes people can experience jealousy or animosity and hostility towards others because they might see them do things that they necessarily want to do with what similarities they have. And sometimes that can be like a detriment to like having friendships work out and last. So I think it's important that when you find people that think or act the same ways that you do, that you keep a an opened mind and you kind of like assess the situations. Cause I mean, let's say one of my roommates gets an opportunity that I really wanted, but I have to go to that. I have to go find that opportunity for myself. I can't expect them to give it to me. Um, And I think that's also important for people to recognize. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about like the social media aspect of like, you know, in modeling. So as a model, do you think like it's important to have social media, you know, like, you know, with your photos or with your shoots and everything like let's talk about? Well, I think it'd be, I think it could be very important because even me having social media, like it technically, if you think about it from (laughs) our point of view on us even like having a conversation right now that's the only way we even connected and though we have talked about like my modeling and my design and whatnot like we also are able to elaborate on other topics and me being on social media like I am promoting majority of the time that I do model and that I work often and a lot and with different people but I also like showcase parts of my personality and who I am And that can only allow me to connect with more people further, especially in other places in the world. So I think as we advance with technology and what it brings us, um, social media almost becomes a tool rather than a place to show off. I know that there are people that use it to show off and that's okay. But I also find people even like comparing their lives and that can cause like very empty feelings because some people will look at somebody else's stuff and be like, oh, I wish I did this. I wish I had this kind of life. I wish I traveled like this person or I wish I looked like this person. And then comparative, I think, is one of the biggest detriments of social media is like people looking at other people's lives and what they look like and like aspiring for those things when sometimes it's not always what it really appears to be. Like sometimes it really can be very false. And that's, I think, where we find an escape with social media is that we really can look and feel and be whatever we want to be on there. Um, And it, it definitely gives us a lot of freedom to a default, unfortunately, but I personally look at social media as a very big tool for anyone to use and a beautiful way of connecting with people and things. And it really will open up 
your life to a lot of things that we necessarily couldn't have 20 years ago. And yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And the more that we advance with technology, the only thing we could do is adapt with it because if we don't adapt with it, we get left behind. Yeah. So I just don't ask. So like in your Instagram, uh, does it, the username, does it come from Superman? Oh yes. Um, so my username, particularly um, there is a villain with Superman, Lex Luthor. And I, Developed it because one, I was definitely really big in video games growing up. I was interested in like superheroes, basically anything that wasn't actually real. Um, I was really interested in all those different things because I knew that that was far from our reality. But um, even in like my younger years, like it was really cool to like focus and be interested in those things because it was very easy to recognize, okay, this is reality and then this is not but it really does stimulate your brain to think outside of the box and like things that can be made real and whatnot. So the aspect of the username or the persona, I guess I could say say that was developed from this was just, um, I was always described as the too nice person. I was always too nice to everybody. And then also my nickname growing up was like Lexi Lou or Louie or whatever. So I kind of just correlated it together. So um, between the complete opposite of Lex Luthor, who is obviously a supervillain from Superman, I took that correlation with the two nice. So I was completely opposite of him and then just putting my nickname together. And it kind of just worked out for me. Some people really think that my last name is Luther. They don't even see that my name is written on the internet sometimes, but that's okay. Um, But it's worked out in my favor. There's been a lot of really cool things that have come from it. Like one of my friends who I'd worked with a while ago, alongside a a graphic artist in Europe, I did a 3D body scanning. So um, one of my friends has a 3D printer and he was able to scan my entire body. And he basically fixed up everything with uh the smoothing tool and all that stuff so from there i basically was like cool this is great and come down the road this guy was like what do you want to do with a 3d scan because it's done like i finalized it the edits are done and whatnot and from there basically uh this graphic designer or this graphic artist who came to me Um, He did an illustration for one of my friends and correlated her with uh, Medusa, one of the Greek um, goddesses or infamous goddesses, I should say. And um, I really loved it. So I found him on here. I followed him. And then we were talking about him making an illustration of me. And he ended up making me a supervillain. And he used my username, Lexi Luther. And the two of the three of us, I should say, came together. And we are using the illustration from the graphic designer in Europe to make my 3D scan now into a real life action figure. So we're working on making the pieces and making me look exactly like the character that the graphic designer designed. So like this is another thing where Instagram opens up these opportunities is yeah. I may have met one of these people that I worked with for this idea in person and the other one I have not. 
And I've stayed in contact with both of them. We're all coming together as creatives to create this amazing thing. So I think that's another really cool thing. And um, all came from the creativity of me just coming up with some silly little nickname to use on the internet. Yeah, yeah. it's great. And uh, it's creative and like something like that. Uh, when you see that, it's like, it's kind of familiar and it's like, okay, this is kind of like a creative spin on something. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. You talk about like working in a photo studio or something like that. Uh, it's totally just Yes, I help manage. Uh, oh, I am one of the managers for a photo studio here in Brooklyn. Yeah. It opened up a couple months ago. And um, right now it's just my two bosses who are the business owner and I and... We just, it's basically people come in and do like creative projects, whether it's a photo shoot. Sometimes we've had dancers, we've had engagement parties or whatnot. So it's kind of just like a rental studio of multiple studios in one location that people use for creative freedom. And it's a lot of fun. I've met a lot of people that way. Definitely been learning a lot of customer service skills and it's been fun. Yeah. Can you describe what goes in there? So like, you know, you, you provide sense to like, you know, for people to take photos or do you yourself take photos like do you have people uh something like that um so it's basically just like the location um okay, a lot yeah. of people will yeah so a lot of people will like see our location uh, um aspects and they'll they'll pretty much like say like oh i want to come and shoot this so then i help them set up like the appointments and whatnot and they'll come in and they'll just produce whatever it is that they're trying to work on so it's really pretty like standard easygoing it's at some point like i just help run the space and they come in and they carry on whatever it is that they're trying to do and i just make sure that you know the building stays intact and they're happy i'm happy and everything stays working and that they can create what they need to with our assistance when needed and it's a lot of fun how do you go started with that how did you join uh, the studio how was your experience there? Like? So I started working with the studio because I was actually doing a lot of photo shoots in the studio myself. Yeah, yeah. One of the photographers that I kept shooting in the studio with was friends with one of my now, with actually with both of my bosses that I have now. So that's how that kind of came into play. I was able to um, make the connection and meet both of them where... I just, at some point, they were like, not necessarily looking for an employee, but my photographer friend kind of insinuated like, oh, well, she's trying to look for a job and it seems like you guys can use some help. So they actually created the job opportunity for me. So I was like, okay. So then I just swooped in, got employed by them and it's worked out ever since. Mm -hmm. Okay. So before the final question, so... If someone wants to, you know, contact you, you know, find you through social media, uh, let's talk about that. Where can people find you if they want to book you, follow your stuff? Uh, let's talk about that and we'll go to the other questions. Okay. So, I mean, if people necessarily wanted to find me on social medias, I use the same username for everything because I I am spread pretty thin with trying to figure out all social medias. So, I mean, like I utilize a lot that are offered like Twitter. I just started using TikTok. I don't know how it works, but I'm trying to <laughs> trying to use yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and then like also Instagram. So I kind of try to use this same username for all of them. Cause that also makes it easier for people to find you. If you have the same username, then it's just like, 
it kind of all creates this like connection. Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, people want things to be easier for them. So if my username is the same on every single platform, cool. They don't have to worry about, you know, figuring out these little nitty gritty details of like, wait, how do you spell this? How do you do that? Like they're very accommodated to the fact that my name has not changed in years. So with that being said, like if they find me on any of those social medias, I always try to have them connected to each other. I always provide like my business email so that way they can get a hold of me. I have a website in place. So that has a lot of all my like instant connections too. So it's very easy to find me if somebody's trying to look for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Like, let's talk about like, how how do you, you know, manage your social media? Like, how, how often do you post? Uh, do you have a plan for posting? Uh, something like that. Like, how do you keep up the maintenance of your website? Like, let's talk about those things. Um, so my website, it's it can be pretty hard to maintain just because the pages, um, there's multiple of them. Like, yeah. I always try to, like, split them up into some type of uh, scenario. But I try to keep it as up to date as I possibly can because I work a lot. So, like, I have to obviously interchange, like, my old work with my new work. Even though my old work might be stuff I'm proud of, I always got to keep it up to date. So that's something that I find to be very beneficial, especially like people want to see all my work. I can't post all my work on Instagram. I can't post it on all my social medias. And having one designated place to showcase all my work. So like if I wanted to show my wide range, like I can put my portfolio on there, like how we talked about. If an agency wants to see my digitals where like they access my website and they see like all my measurements and my digitals where they can just see me plain and simple. Um, that's like a one-stop shop. Um, I have my photography on there. I showcase my clothing designs on there. So really it's just all the things that if somebody wanted to get to know me and how much things I actually do and what I do and who I am, it's all right there. And it makes yeah, it yeah. very easy going for people to really like create a connection with me before they even interact with me or get to know me okay we go to the final question so mm-hmm. like what does freedom means to you freedom considering i live in america it's a very weird topic right now but um okay. <laughs> <laughs> at least at this moment in time but freedom to me i feel like is having self-awareness of yourself and your surroundings and the things you have in your life and utilizing them to where they fully benefit you and benefit others. And you can live like a self-sufficient lifestyle. You can find happiness within yourself and the things that you do for yourself. Like happiness is a very like big word. Yeah. Just because of everyone can perceive it in so many different ways. Um, So my definition of happiness might be different than someone else's. And then my definition of freedom can be different from everyone else's. But I think it's just like entirely finding who you are and what you want to do in your life and what kind of things you can bring to yourself and others and just wholeheartedly going into all of those factors. And at the end of the day, always being yourself, no matter what roles those play. And I know that like when we talked about it in like the last session, we talked about like people feeling their emotions and people like retracting and acting certain ways on these emotions and concerning over like what they can and can't control. Ultimately, like even in that aspect, like 
being emotionally free, allowing yourself to be happy, allowing yourself to be sad and angry when you feel these things. Like freedom is basically allowing yourself to be you and not letting other things take that away from you. Like if anybody's going to give you happiness and freedom in your life, it's going to be you and only you. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, like a, one of the new perspectives I heard. So it's uh, great to hear that. So Alexis, it's uh, great to meet you. Uh, it's nice to have you here. Uh, thank you for coming for like to doing this for the second time also. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's definitely been a fun experience and yeah. hopefully we can do it more. If anything, I definitely am excited to see like what you do with it, not only with myself, but with others that yeah, yeah. Um, go on this journey with you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll keep in touch. Uh, so I'll let you know how this goes. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you again for having me and we'll talk soon. Okay, we'll talk soon. Uh, see you later. All right. Great. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our conversation. Don't forget to sign up twice if you need to send or receive money from abroad. Please leave a review and subscribe to the show. See you next time.